Hello and welcome back to the LDS study session with uh, with Come Follow Me. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts. Uh, this is Series 2, Episode 46. Uh, and We are continuing with our Come Follow Me study for this week, covering February the 10th to February the 16th, 2nd Nephi, Chapters 6 to 10. Oh, how great the plan of our God. Uh, and we're going to look at the section now covering 2nd Nephi, Chapter 9, Verses 27 to 54. I can come unto Christ and receive the glorious blessings of his atonement. So we had a, a wonderful couple of days studying the first part of uh, chapter 9. And now Jacob moves into the the, the what now, if you like. Um, we've talked about, you know, the wonderful blessings of the atonement, how Christ will redeem us and how merciful and how grace uh, is is sufficient for us if we uh, if we are willing to accept the uh, Jesus the Christ as our Savior, uh, but now uh, we move into you know well what do we need to do now, and uh, straight away in verse uh, verses twenty eight and onwards through to uh, verse thirty eight, uh, Jacob moves into a number of woes. Uh, and things that we need to watch out for. And it's interesting because a, a number of these things are found in the Ten Commandments. So he clearly had this in mind uh, as he began his uh, discourse on these things, which we need to be aware of. Um, for example, uh, talking about the rich, which could link to envyings. Uh, he talked about the deaf and blindness and not listening to the Lord, idols, uh, liars, murderers, whoredoms, and so on. And again, a lot of these link to the Ten Commandments. Uh, however, before we jump into that, in verse 28, he talks about an interesting one. He says, Oh, that cunning plan of the evil one. Oh, the vainness and the frailties and the foolishness of men. When they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God, for they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. So at first, <clears throat> it seems that he's talking about how um, to, you know, have this white, this uh, well, knowledge or being wise is a bad thing. Uh, but he says, uh, when they are learned, they think they are wise and they hearken not to the counsel of God. Uh, clearly pointing out that is the main issue here. Not necessarily that learned is being bad. In fact, in verse 29, he says, but to be learned is good if they hearken unto the counsels of God. And this brings into question, you know, why uh, or how, you know, what what is the importance of studying, uh, you know, things intellectually, I suppose, uh, rather than just by faith. Uh, and I think that uh, there is an important balance to be struck. Uh, clearly, um, you know, spiritual understanding and knowledge and testimony is the priority when we are studying the scriptures. But we are also uh, encouraged to study things out of the best books and, and other matters as well. Uh, Book of Mormon Central produced an OY number 487 that says, what role should scholarship play in studying the Book of Mormon? Now, I am I am I am interested in scholarship when it comes to studying the Book of Mormon. I don't think that uh, it is certainly the most important thing when studying the Book of Mormon, and that that is feeling the Spirit and learning the, the doctrines and principles of the gospel. However, um, background information or contextual information or those kind of things that we learn about, which add more color and more detail to the Book of Mormon, are certainly valuable. Um, we know the Book of Mormon does not present itself as a work of fiction, and therefore we need to understand some key key ideas behind it. Uh, I'm just going to quote from this note why. 
It says, quote, the appropriate relationship between scholarship and faith needs to be correctly understood and appreciated. Two extremes are especially to be avoided. Some may be tempted to completely divorce the Book of Mormon from academic research, feeling that its spiritual message has nothing to do with secular knowledge. Others might be lulled, lulled into viewing the Book of, Mormon, Book of Mormon as a mere object of scholarly interest, and therefore give little or no heed to its spiritual message. Close quote. Uh, I think that 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 is important, you know, to understand that, you know, these two extremes of either just dismissing all academic uh, research behind the Book of Mormon, and on the other hand, dis dis discounting all spiritual research, knowledge behind the Book of Mormon, both I, both of which are incorrect. Um, Boyd K. Packer actually said this, quote, each of us must accommodate the mixture of reason and revelation in our lives. The gospel not only permits, but requires it. An individual who concentrates on either side solely and alone will lose both balance and perspective, close quote. And, uh, you know, Boy K. Packer was, you know, very strong and very clear on his kind of boundaries and understanding of what he believed. And so if he is saying that this is important as well, then, you know, that's something to sit up and take, take attention to, I think. Um, we then go through these woes. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to read them all because uh, it will take too long, but he lists a number of things which the people had to watch out for, uh, such as being spiritually deaf or spiritually blind. He also talked about in verse 33, uh, bit, woe, if I'll read that one, it says, woe unto the uncircumcised of heart for a knowledge of their iniquities shall smite them at the last day. And I was intrigued initially by this, you know, this phrase uncircumcised of heart. It links to Romans 2.29, which says, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we're talking about obviously a spiritual circumcision, a circumcision of our heart. And if you look at kind of the, the definition or, you know, what circumcision is, it is, you know, a change. It is casting something off. Uh, and so if we are circumcised of heart, we are casting off, I guess, the, the natural man and we are softening our heart to the promptings of the spirit, uh, which is obviously a very important thing if we want to develop spiritually. Um, we then move forward uh, past these woes into verse 39. Uh, and he says, O oh, my beloved brethren, remember the awfulness in transgressing against that holy God, and also the awfulness of yielding to the enticings of that cunning one. Remember, to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life eternal. Again, we see this kind of parallel, not parallel, but we see this two ways view that there is either God or there is not God. And if it's not God, then it's of the devil or it's of Satan or it's of the evil one who is trying to lull us away eventually from God. Um, and this pattern occurs often in the Book of Mormon. We saw it in 2 Nephi chapter 2 and we talked about it there. We also see it in Moroni 7 where we're talking about making choice with the light of Christ and how we can know if something is of Christ or if it is not of Christ. And we have that kind of two-way view again. Uh, this comes up very often. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said this, Quote, mental control must be stronger than physical appetites or desires of the flesh. As thoughts are brought into complete harmony with revealed truth, actions will then become appropriate. The timeless proverb is as true now as when it was first spoken. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Each of us, with discipline and effort, has the capacity to control his thoughts and his actions. This is part of the process of developing spiritual, physical and emotional maturity. Close quote. Now, obviously, um, 
there are a number of you know conditions and uh, you know clinical uh, diagnoses which which would make it more difficult to control thoughts and emotions and so on. Uh, but we do have to some extent a control over this, it's, and certainly over the actions that we have. Uh, so you know that is something to to take take heed of. In verse forty one, uh, we read a wonderful phrase. It says, "Oh, then, my beloved brethren, come unto the Lord, the Holy One." Uh, I just wanted to just highlight that because I liked that you know phrase of after all these woes and after all this instruction on being spiritually minded, remember that as we come unto the Lord, He makes this possible. And we link back now to the things and the sentiments that He said at the beginning of this discourse about the atonement and how that enables and empowers and strengthens us. Um, in Second Nephi chapter nine verse forty-four, uh, we then read about how Jacob uh, wanted the people to be aware of the the issues that face them. He said, "O oh, my beloved brethren, remember my remember my words. Behold, I take off my garments and I shake them before you. I pray the God of my salvation that He view me with His all-searching eye. Wherefore ye shall know at the last day, when all men shall be judged of their works, that the God of Israel did witness that I shook your iniquities from my soul, and that I stand with brightness before Him, and am rid of your blood." Um, this, you know. He, he's talking about how he's now, you know, absolved of anything they've done, and it's down to them and their and their pride. Um, in a talk uh, in April 1989, um, I believe it was yeah, Ezra Taft Benson said this quote: "Pride is a sin that can be readily seen in others, but is rarely admitted in ourselves. Most of us consider pride to be a sin of those on the top, such as the rich and the learned, looking down at the rest of us. There is, however, a far more common ailment among us, and that is the pride from the bottom looking up. It is manifest in so many ways, such as, such, such as fault-finding, gossiping, backbiting, murmuring, living beyond our means, envying, coveting, withholding gratitude and praise that might lift another, and being unforgiving and jealous. Close quote. And that is, you know, so true. You know, when I kind of sat and read that, I just thought, you know, I need to really sit and think about myself and think about, you know, where am I at in terms of this important principle? Because I certainly am not perfect in this. I don't think many people are. Um, and, you know, it makes me shudder when I kind of hear people backbiting or making comments about people who are just trying their best, trying to make the right choice by by everyone else. Uh, and because they maybe made a mistake, people, you know, talk negatively about them. And it's uh, it's difficult. But again, you know, I, I sometimes find myself in that position and I need to work on that. Finally, in verse 51, uh, we are invited to, invited to feast upon that which perisheth not, neither be corrupted and let your soul delight in fatness. I was talking about this a couple of days ago, actually, at a meeting about just how how can we get this desire to 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 partake of the good things that don't that that will benefit us for eternity that will bless us that will be there for us and support us Dieter F. Uchtdorf in October 2009 in a talk called Two Principles for Any Economy uh, said this um, about how we need to seek for the things that will bless us eternally rather than uh, those things that will you know be okay for us at this moment in time 
He said, quote, Work can be ennobling and fulfilling, but remember Jacob's warning not to spend your labour for that which cannot satisfy. If we devote ourselves to the pursuit of worldly wealth and the glitter of public recognition at the expense of our families and our spiritual growth, we will discover soon enough that we have made a fool's bargain. The righteous work we do within the walls of our home is most sacred. Its benefits are, eter are eternal in nature. It cannot be delegated. It is the foundation of our work as priesthood holders, close quote. That is what we are searching for. That should be what we are, you know, working and being dedicated the most of. I was inspired by uh, a member who I spoke to recently about their kind of efforts in their home for their Come Follow Me. And I was just amazed by what, they, by what they're doing. And whilst we are doing, you know, what we can in our home, it just made me think, you know, this is the time now. We need to act now and put this effort in because, you know, before long, it'll be too late. Uh, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed the study today. Um, you know, it's been a fantastic chapter to read. So much in there about the atonement, about coming to Christ and about the blessings of turning to him and avoiding these these things. I hope that... Uh, there's something you've learnt and if there's anything that you have to share please do so at mattsroberts90 on twitter or email ldsstudysession at gmail.com i'd love to hear from any listeners thank you for listening and until we meet again